was young, my great-uncle Klaus told me a story. I thought he was an old fool back then. I know better now. It was about a kind of dirigible, like a sort of blimp. They first saw it over in Arkansas, but they didn't make much of it. Just another fool had got himself an old hot air balloon. And it kept popping up. Heading west past Texarkana, straight into Texas. News of it got on the wire, and folks started to be on the lookout. Every time it showed its face, they'd try to walk to it, or get up on some church steeple to grab hold of it and pull it down. There was even a fellow in commerce got his own balloon and went up to try and board it. Not much came of any of that. No matter what anyone threw at it, including live ammunition, the thing just kept going. It was like the old manifest destiny they always talk about. It was headed to the end of the West, and nothing on this earth was going to stop it. Of course, it hadn't figured on Judge Proctor's windmill. The way my great-uncle told it, the mill had been standing there for close to a century, and it was sturdy as anything could be. The judge himself was tending to his crops when he saw the blimp sailing overhead. By the time he realized where it was headed, it was too late. Though it wasn't like he could have done a whole lot to stop what was about to happen. The ship tore clear through the old mill like butter, then fell to the ground almost without a sound. The judge went over to look, and that's when he met the pilot. He was dead. Long dead by the looks of him. And what's more, he wasn't no kind of Earthman. He was a man from Mars. That's what the judge said, anyway. Uncle Klaus figured his planetary authorities had sent him there to check us out, but he died on the way. Except them Martian ships can just about fly themselves if they need to, so that's what it did. Right up until it gave out and ran into the old judge's windmill. Later, the government came and took everything away, like they always do. President McKinley had made a deal with the Mars men, you see. And he didn't want it found out or he'd be voted out of office come November. Now, I was a very rational child for my age, and I could see this one exactly watertight story. I asked Uncle Klaus why didn't they just call the army and shoot him down, but he just said they were in on it too. When I asked her, Ma told me that it was just a story and nobody believed it. I felt pretty proud of myself afterwards for figuring it out before. Somehow, though, Never forgot about the Mars men, even when Uncle Klaus went around to talk about him no more. You just sat there like that oddity in your cupboard you just don't want to throw out. You don't know why you'd want to keep it. it serves no purpose. But somehow, you feel if you did throw it out, something terrible would happen. I can't explain it, but I think you know what I mean. Even after all that's happened, I still find myself coming back to those silly stories before anything else. I think maybe without them, none of the rest of it makes any sense. Maybe it don't make any sense anyway, I don't know. I guess only you can say. It was a sunny day in April. The farm was real quiet since the planting was done. Pa was doing the rounds of the property, checking on everybody, like he always did, even when there was no call to. Everything and everybody was in the right place, just like he liked it. Everybody but one. Lottie! Lottie, where are you at? Reckon I saw her up in the stable, Mr. Lerman, listening to the radio. Who would ever have thought? Much obliged, Stephen. Of course. 
Lottie. Lottie. Remind me when I call, child. I didn't hear, Pa. Hardly surprising, is it? Well, that fool thing blaring, I'm surprised you can hear yourself think. Should I turn it down? Just a smidgen. Hmm. More than that. That all right, Pa? It'll do. What is it you're always listening to, anyhow? Hold on. Let me guess. That, uh, lone rancher fella again. Who? Oh, nah. He's only on Thursdays. Who knew Mast Avengers could keep such regular hours? Huh. <sighs> one of these days, child, I swear you're gonna laugh at one of your father's jokes. I'm sorry, Pa. Don't be sore. I am sore. Though I will say you have me kind of worried. Your mother, too. Oh, why's that, Pa? Well, that's what I was hoping to get at in my own inimitable way. It's, it's that Taylor boy. What? Dwayne. Yes, him. I hear you two have been going steady, is the expression you all use these days, ain't it? Where did you hear that, Paul? Eli Faulkner told me. He saw the two of you in town, all giddy, hardly looking at anything but each other. Well, that's what he says. If I was you, Pa, I wouldn't trust that Mr. Faulkner. He's just a liar. That's what he is. I'm well aware of his reputation, but be careful what you say, Lottie. Half-truth implies a little something genuine. Tell me, you been around this Dwayne fella at all? What if I have? What's the matter with him? That boy's a lame brain, good for nothing, that's what all them tailors are. You don't want to be seen with them. The Lerman name means something around here, child. It ain't like any old word. It's, well, I guess you could say it's like a brand. Like on cows, Pa? No, no. Like a cigarette. If you go to the store and you see Pall Mall and Lucky Strike and Chesterfield and what have you, which are you going to choose? I don't smoke, Pa. And good thing, too. But suppose you did. Listen, I'll tell you which one. It's the one you trust. If you smoked old gold ones and wound up with a coffin fit, you ain't going to go for that one again in a hurry, are you? No. See what I mean? You putting it together? I'm not sure. Can you spell it out for me? Listen, that boy's no good. His name stands for idleness, depravity, and atheism. Do you want your name to stand for that too? Uh... Pa! You shut that fool thing off and mind your father, child. I'm telling you to break things off with him. You got that? What? I don't... What? Yes. Yes, Pa. That's what you say now. Yes, Pa. Thank you. See, that wasn't so hard now, was it? Hello? What's going on here? Joseph? Nothing, honey bun. Get back to your cooking. Lottie, you up there? I'm here, Ma. Your father pushing you around? I don't know. Of all the... That's it. Come down here, the both of you. <sighs> honey bun, I ain't... Hush now. Lottie, baby girl, give your old Ma a hug. There. There now. Can I go read my books, Ma? Well, of course. Run along, girl. Thanks. Bye, Ma. Bye, Pa. <sighs> Good Lord. All I did was ask her about that Taylor boy. You know, Eli Faulkner told me he saw him... So what going... if he did? Lottie's 17. We were almost married at that age. Almost. And you're from a good family, dear. You remember Josiah Taylor? He was always trying to get a peek at your bloomers. 
I ought to have socked him for it. Of course I remember. I don't want Lottie to have anything to do with white trash like him either, but that ain't the way to do it. They'll just run right back into each other's arms. <sighs> What's your technique then, ma'am? I know for a fact she's sweet on Tyrone Thorpe. I'll talk to Alice and see if I can't get him to ask her out to the movies. She'll forget all about poor Dwayne before long. Tyrone Thorpe? You think a popular boy like that would go with Lottie? And why not? I don't know. I suppose there's no reason. She's a beautiful girl, a fine woman. I'm too hard on her, aren't I? Yes, you are, Joseph. <laughs> I'll, I'll tell Sorry later. Hell, maybe it'll get her away from her books and lone ranchers. I think it's Ranger, dear. What? Nah. My parents left the barn arm in arm, debating vigorously about something or other. When I was a child, I suppose I thought all parents were like this. I didn't know how lucky I was. Though I guess a lot of folk wouldn't call me all that lucky. I maintain I was. In some ways, at least. Later, at the soda fountain, I found Wayne. We'd agreed to meet beforehand, but I doubt he was expecting the date to go just the way it did. Baby, over here. Oh, hi, Dwayne. How you doing? I brought you flowers. That's sweet. You didn't tell me what kind you liked, so I kind of figured roses were a safe bet, you know? That's some good thinking, Dwayne. I know, right? Come on, I got some place I want to show you. I think you'll like it. He took my hand. I didn't pull away, but I didn't hold on, neither. He took me to the old Starkey mansion out on the edge of town. I'd only ever seen it from a block away. All the kids were always too scared to even pass in front of it. There were all kinds of awful stories about that place, but they all contradicted each other. Looking at it now, it just looked like an ugly, run-down old house. From across the street, I saw that rotten Eli Faulkner watching us. Chances were, by the time I got home, my father would already know about us. But I knew already what I'd tell him when he asked me. Really something, isn't it? You want to go inside? You think we should, Dwayne? Ain't it condemned? Ain't nobody here to stop us, baby. Weren't you always curious what it was like inside? My brother, Jeff, he was always daring me to go in there. When we were kids, you know? And then I finally went. It was so nice, so peaceful, you know? Somewhere I could always go when it all got to be too much. You felt like that, haven't you? Oh, I sure have. I never brought anybody in there, though. Not even Jeff. He was always too chicken. Guess I was waiting for a special somebody. Like you, Lottie. You wanna, uh, come into the spooky old house with me, baby? You're a sweetheart, Dwayne. But uh, there's something I should tell you first. What's that? Oh, uh, it's over between us. What? <laughs> You're kidding. Good one, baby. Uh-uh. I'm sorry, Dwayne. What? Well, why? It's all right. Don't take it personal. It's just better this way, you know? Y you sure? I mean, maybe we can still work some... I wish we could, Dwayne, but we can't, okay? There's, there's just no way. Uh, okay. Thanks for the flowers, anyway. I'd still like to see the spooky old house, if that's all right. I, uh, <clears throat> I gotta go help my pop, actually. You go ahead, I guess. You can get in the broken window around back. Okay. Thanks. 
I walked right past him, hopped the fence, and made for the entrance. Didn't even glance back. He just stood there, looking at nothing, this awful look on his face. I wonder how that felt. I wonder if anything I did ever made up for that. No way of knowing, is there? Well, I got into Starkey Manor all right. It was getting dark already, so what with the barred windows, you could hardly see anything inside. Just enough to tell it was a complete ruin. Bits of junk strewn everywhere, all the furniture broken into a million pieces like someone had wrecked the whole place on purpose. Felt like some place you'd read about in a novel. Poe or Polidori. Not in real life. So I just stood there and felt the story come to life around me. I didn't even need the radio this time. The house did it all for me. I don't know how long I stood there, but the impulse that broke the spell wasn't my own. I had a visitor. Not just any old one, either. He looked like a cross between a musketeer and a knight in shining armor, but like someone had made him without really knowing what either one was. My liege. Huh? I am here to undertake your training, young one, as the sovereign now. I- I'm sorry, I don't know who you are. By the great Gigi, how soon the youth forgets. Have you not been told? Uh, should I? Why, of course. Don't you wish to bring justice for your father? My... my father. Oh. Um... May I ask respectfully? Where is your father now, my liege? Back home, of course. With Mom. Do you know my father? Did he send you here? I most humbly beg your pardon, my liege. My timing is entirely improper. I will take my leave of you now. Wait, mister, what's your name? Very soon. I do. Was it just the lad, or did he disappear the instant he said that? That, of course, would imply he was never there at all. That wasn't something I particularly cared to think about just then. And anyway, I'd had just about enough of this musty old place, so I left and headed home. Well... By then, night had finally fallen, just about the darkest night you ever saw. No moon, no stars. Walking through those endless cornfields, I might as well be in outer space. My home was like an island of light in that ocean of void, a refuge from a world that had become suddenly alien. Or, well... When I got there, I saw there was a man on the rocking chair on the porch. He was just sitting there, rocking back and forth like he owned the place. He had a glass eye, and queer kind of clothes like the other one. That's all I could see in the darkness. As I stepped up, he saw me looking at him. I'm sure he did, but he didn't shift his gaze. So I said to him, Good evening, mister. I'm Lottie Lerman, Joseph and Cora's daughter. Yes, I know. Are you a friend? You could say that. What's the joke? It's inside. I think you'd better go and look. So I did. In the house, everything looked normal, like home always looked. Except there was nobody there. Sorry, I mean, nobody alive. My father was spread-eagled on the dinner table. Somebody had stuck a sword in him, right in the belly, then left him out to die like a stuck hog. The blood was on the table and the floor, but it was all dry already. 
Whatever this was, it had been over a while ago. I stood there looking at him for a long time. I looked at his face, frozen in the last grimace he'd ever make. Then I went out searching for what I felt sure I'd find. I looked in the house, in the yard, in the barn, but there was no sign of my mother. No more blood. No more indications of struggle. Nothing. Once I was sure of that, I worked up my nerve and went back out front. The chair was rocking, but the glass-eyed man wasn't there any longer. One thing was for sure, though, and that was that he couldn't be far. And there was another thing equally blindingly sure in my mind. I wasn't going to let him get away. Back into that blackness I went, calling like a mad woman. Come back here. I'll find you. Hear me? I'll find you. You'll have to run faster than that. I ran and ran, but his voice never seemed to grow any closer or farther. It was like I was falling through a dark abyss with no bottom, pulled along by that horrible laughter. Then all of a sudden, the ground wasn't there at all anymore. Or, actually, it was far below. I was sailing over those fields like a bird in flight, the lights dotting the landscape just minuscule pinpricks now, like distant constellations. As I moved up into the clouds, the laughter began to come from all directions, magnified a thousand times by some unknown magical means. <laughs> Tenacious what I do, just a little further, I'll give you something for your efforts. He didn't have to goad me. At that moment, I know I would have chased him here to Jupiter. As it happened, that wouldn't be necessary. If I broke through the layer of clouds and beheld an infinite expanse of stars, each brighter than the last one, each might have been a world of its own, as diverse and filled with life as the one we call home. But what drew me then was not a sight, but an absence. In the very center of that tapestry was a spot where there was no light at all. A triangle. A pyramid. That was where the voice that tormented me was coming from. I was sure of it. It was only a whisper now, but just enough to follow. When I arrived at the gate to that strange edifice, it had vanished entirely. As I walked down the deserted entrance hall, lit only by the air glow from outside, the only sound to be heard was my equine footsteps, distorted beyond recognition. Who's there? Who's, who's there? Come out! Come out! Now, Lottie, is there any way to talk to the woman that brought you into this world? Ma, is that you? Yes, baby girl, I'm right here. Ma, oh Ma, I thought, I, I mean, I really thought... I know you did. It's alright, just a little nightmare. And what am I, a hat stand? Ain't you glad to see your Pa? Pa? Y you're here. Why, of course. Where else would I be? You think I'd leave you and your mother in this spooky as hell spot all by yourselves? But I saw you... No. This is still a dream. What the place are you talking about, child? Where did you see me? On the table. I saw you on the table. You mean at the table, Lottie? Remember your prepositions. Got off her case, dear. Damned if I know the first thing about prepositions. I think you know very well, mister. Miller Creek, December 97, remember? <laughs> well, now that ain't the same thing, is it? Ma. Pa, how did we get here? What happened? Why, you remember. We took the train. 
west of Lubbock, then north straight into Kansas. And, and where to after that? Well, here, naturally. Where is here? Are you all right, baby girl? Did you remember your supper? I'm okay, Ma. Really? No, not really, but it's okay. What's the matter, child? You can tell us anything you want. You can tell us. I just feel... I guess I feel I ain't quite here. But not like when I'm taken in by a story. It's like I'm somebody else, and I don't know who. No, don't be silly, child. Who could you be but Charlotte Lerman? It's a good thing you're getting away from your books and your... Uh, Lottie, dear, what you looking at me like that for? You. You ain't my father. Of all the... What's got into you? Don't I look like your father? Don't I sound like your father? You sure do. Chain him. Might I know how you came to that remarkable conclusion? My name ain't Charlotte. <laughs> sure it is. Lottie short for Charlotte. Uh, I ought to know that, oughtn't I? Uh-uh. Uh-uh. Cora, can you... Lisa Lottie. Joseph named her after his mother. Lisa Lottie? that right? Yes, it is. Well, shoot. It was a fine effort, anyway. Stay away from my daughter, you devil. Your daughter can handle herself just fine. She got this far with only a little. I'll bring you to justice, you some bitch. Justice? Oh, how quaint! You're not going anywhere, I'm afraid. Get comfortable. Oh! Feisty and tenacious. I'm tempted to keep you all for myself. You'll have to kill me first. Oh, that's later. At the ceremony. A ceremony? A solemn occasion of great import. You'll see, don't you? Now, excuse me. The whole pyramid shook with the cacophony, which seemed to be coming from deep within it. The man was knocked off balance by its sheer force, but I held on tight to my mother and we kept our footing. That was the chance we'd get, and we both knew it. While our captors scrambled to get back up, we dashed for the exit. Those stars beckoned to us. Beyond that gate was everything we could want, if we could only reach it. As I passed the threshold, I sighed in relief, just as another tremor broke my hold on my mother's hand. She tumbled back into the darkness, where the man was waiting, while I was helplessly drawn back the way I came, calling out for her in vain. Back to Earth, back to waking, or maybe to another nightmare entirely.